0: Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: Two quickies before we get going on a fun Friday episode here. Number one, thank you again to everyone who has subscribed to the YouTube channel, watched live, watched after the fact. We appreciate you just as we appreciate everyone who's sticking around and uh, listening to podcasts the old school way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're really helping us grow, and the way you can help us continue to grow is by making sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. The other thing here is... To my fellow parents who might sometimes listen to the pod in the car or with kiddos around, there are a couple instances in today's show where the discussion goes sideways and the topic or a phrase used might not exactly be suitable for a younger audience. So just keep that in mind. And show them leaky black highlights instead. But uh, we always appreciate you. Thank you so much. Here's today's episode, and we will be back, of course, again on Sunday. Thank you.
0: Hey there, it's Gary Precious Friday, December 3rd, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports I own college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me. He's at home. I'm at home. And we are at this point a little more than three weeks into this college basketball season. And there are four schools that were in the preseason Associated Press Top 25 poll that have already taken 3 losses trivia time deadlift can you name them off the top of your head
1: you go ahead and go ahead and, sh- and read me that trivia time one more time please
0: there are four schools that were in the preseason Associated Press Top 25 poll they've already taken 3 losses can you name them off the top of your head or from the bottom of your feet?
1: Yeah, I think I you're gonna call me crazier than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs, but I, I think I can name these teams for you right here.
0: Um I feel like you're trying to do a Brian Kelly impression right now.
1: No, th- this is this is how I have always talked, sir. I don't uh, I don't appreciate that accusation. Um but but to your question, uh, have to be Michigan. That would have to be v- Virginia, and that would have to be Oregon. Wow, do I do I need one more? You need one more. I, I think that would be the the te- the terrapins of Maryland. Do I have it correct, sir? How'd you get that off the bottom of your feet? What do, you, what do you want from me? I just did a power rankings on Thursday on the side. Hello to everyone watching on YouTube. My name's Brian Kelly. It's <laughs> great to be here. <laughs> what was Brian Kelly doing last night? I don't know. I, a, a part of me debated doing the entire podcast in a fake Southern accent,
0: but I won't do that. As a, as a Southerner, I can tell you, you have a terrible Southern accent. As a
1: northerner, I can tell you that all southern accents are not that desirable. So it's it's just whatever, it's fine.
0: Like it's Ooh, you know. I don't know. You get a little sweet girl down in Oxford, Mississippi with a southern accent. That's true. And a I'll sundress. All, all male southern accents. <laughs> yeah. Here's the truth about southern accents. I say this as a southerner who still has um, you can hear it sometimes, a southern accent. Um, they make you sound dumb, even if you're smart like if you if you say the exact same sentence in a in a northern accent or some accent other than a southern accent, and then you say the same thing in a southern accent and I say this as a southerner, you just sound dumber. you said the exact same thing, but it just doesn't sound as smart. And then say the same thing in a British accent, it sounds a million times smarter. incredibly
1: insightful Incredibly like every
0: time I listen to Kate Beckinsale talk she sounds amazingly brilliant i have no idea if she's smart although i do think i read something where she's got an incredible iq but like even if she didn't i just think she sounds smart everything she says sounds smart to me
1: well there we go she
0: takes good pictures on instagram that girl
1: what is brian kelly doing here's my Here's that we're gonna get to the basketball in just a second what maybe maybe not i I wasn't trying listen i wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to side-swap this podcast right off the top here, okay? I'm finer than a frog hair split four ways. Everyone knows that. Um and and I'd be happy as a as a dead pig in the sunshine to continue doing this for for an entire podcast, but I think a lot of people they might tune out of
0: this podcast if I keep this up. But what is Brian? here's my I, thing. I, including me, including me. All I have to do is hit leave studio and it's over. I can just get back to doing what I was doing. Oh man. Um I think I
1: am so I'm I'm now convinced that the Brian Kelly experiment at LSU is going to bomb. Okay. That what is he doing? That that is so embarrassing and so <laughs> phony. And what's what's wilder about it is it happened during the halftime. You want some basketball? It was during the halftime of LSU's win over Ohio and some reporter on hand tweeted out the video, but it went viral Thursday. The video was posted Wednesday, so this happened. No one really noticed, and then what happens is the right person or two finds it, quote tweets it, and then suddenly it goes absolutely insane, and yeah, Brian Kelly does deserve to get dragged. Are you kidding? I You know, it's, it's, it's weird how he left his team when it can still make the playoff. I think it's a horrible look. You can say it's the early signing period and college football has got to, it's got to change the calendar if that's the case. Okay. If, if, if the environment of the sport is to the point where you have no choice, but to leave a team that can still win a national title, then you need to fix your sport to the point where you can't have an early signing periods. If Brian Kelly had no choice, but to leave the way he did, you know. I still – I think we shouldn't normalize that whatsoever. But I I am so – as a non-Southerner, I'm so – he's from Massachusetts. I'm (laughs) so offended by this that, to me, it's an indication, phoning us all around, this is going to crash and burn. He's out of there within four years. That's my
0: prediction. That thing he did was goofy. Like, what do you – He's just goofy. It's, I don't even he's know been how- there for 17 minutes. My family. What? <laughs> the way he drug out family. And did you see somebody got video of him talking uh, or audio from when he was talking to the Notre Dame players as he was leaving. And he used the word family. And he says it totally normally. Yeah. And then and then he's down in Baton Rouge. <laughs> Here's the other thing since we're on this. Odd speech patterns. You ever noticed? About one out of every three people, when they say Baton Rouge, they have to go Baton Rouge. They can't just say Rouge. they can't just say Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So LSU and uh, Alabama are playing this weekend. Where's the game at? Baton Rouge. Like, you can just say Baton Rouge. What are you doing?
1: It's like say, wait, if you uh, you've been to Italy. I've been to Italy. You just can't help yourself
0: sometimes. So you're like, uh, yeah, I'll have I'll have the mozzarella. <laughs> no, I don't do that. I have the mozzarella. I pointed something on the menu. I said, I'll, I'll eat this thing. See this thing right here? That's what uh, I'll eat. That's, I've what, side- that's, that's what I plan on eating. Exactly.
1: I've side-swiped the podcast. You opened with five, four teams already with three losses, preseason top 25. Where are we going with this?
0: The one I wanted to focus on is Michigan because the Wolverines were sixth in the preseason AP poll. Despite your best efforts, they were picked to win the Big Ten. And now they're four and three after Wednesday night's 72-51. Blowout loss at North Carolina. They had previously lost 80 62 on a neutral court to Arizona. Before that, 67 65 at home to Seton Hall. So four and three, zero notable wins. Best wins probably season opener over Buffalo. So here's the question Is that just a a rough start for Michigan, which has been consistently terrific under Jawan Howard? Or do you have long term concerns about this team that again was picked to win? The Big Ten title. I've got a. I've got a, f-
1: a few more concerns here. We're we're seven games in. Um, my and one game. I'll just spoil it now. Is the Michigan game because it's a CBS one. So we'll preview the San Diego State stuff later in the pod. But yeah, I. You know, Hunter Dickinson was a non-factor in that game earlier this week against North Carolina, and it's not just him, but he has not been. Listen, he was projected to be a top five player in the preseason by plenty and at worst a top 10 player. He hasn't been that yet this season. He hasn't been terrible. He just not has been a difference maker. And some of the turnover on Michigan's roster is clearly making an impact here. Devontae Jones was on our top 101 players list right now. He's shooting 44% from inside the three-point arc. He, he's only taken eight three-pointers, made three of them to this point. Um, he just not has been a, a a good number two option if Dickinson is always going to be the number one and if it wasn't going to be him, maybe it was going to be Caleb Houston another player we had on our preseason top 101 players list. Caleb Houston is not an elite freshman at least not at this point um, you know a solid you, you know you can see it with the shot with the form a solid enough shooter there, but he doesn't do a lot to be honest there there if you're a Michigan fan, I think if you're reasonable right now, you look at this team and you say, okay, the only three teams we've played with a chance to make the NCAA tournament, uh, a good chance, I should say, are Seton Hall, Arizona, North Carolina. You do have a home win over a Buffalo team that could win the MAC. We'll see. But otherwise, it's Prairie View. It's UNLV in a first year situation with a new coach, it's Tarleton State. You know, there's just not a lot there. Carolina, you lose by 21. Arizona, I watched that game. It was an 18 point difference that could have been 30 or 35. And then Seton Hall played a very good game on your home floor, but you lost at home to a Seton Hall team that might not be uh, top four in the Big East. So yeah, there is, there is room for concern. They can turn it around and I think that they're going to get some good wins in the big 10, but, and it's kind of like Michigan struggles perish. They, they almost reflect uh, they're almost a microcosm of what's happening across most of the big 10, because if Michigan was six and one instead of four and three, Our opinions on the Big Ten actually might be a little bit shifted because a lot of the stuff can filter from the top down, and we think that Purdue's awesome. And right now, they're number one in my power rankings, number one in your top 25 and one. But beyond that, it's what else have you shown me to start through the first three plus weeks of the season? So, yes, I do think there's real reason for concern because we haven't seen a a lot of consistency here and against the best teams. Michigan has simply fallen flat.
0: I think there's some concerns too. Not that they're going to be bad, I don't think they're going to be bad, but are they going to win the Big Ten? I think there's two things that have happened since the season started that makes you say no, even if you were saying yes, you know, four weeks ago. One is they've already taken three losses. The other is Purdue looks awesome. So Purdue looks better than most people thought. Michigan, obviously, worse than most people thought. Um, If I had to pick the Big Ten champion right now, I would obviously go with Matt Painter's team. Sorry to be four weeks behind you, dead leg. But I'm there, but I'm there now. I caught up with you now. A lot of times, most every time, when you're trying to gauge what you think somebody's going to be the next season after they lose some pieces, and Michigan did, um, it's based on, okay, who do you expect to take a jump that's already on the roster? And which players that are going to enroll, like what are they going to be? And with Michigan, a lot of that was Devontae Jones and Caleb Houston, just like you said. Neither one's been good. Neither one's been good. Like last year at point guard, Michigan used uh, Mike Smith. He averaged nine points, five point three assists, two point eight rebounds, thirty point five minutes per game. Shot forty one point eight percent from three on two point eight attempts per game, and was you know seventy nine point three percent for the free throw line. Rock solid point guard, not a star, but good enough to allow you to be great. Well, now Devontae Jones is playing that position. Transfer from Coastal Carolina when they got him it was like, well, okay, maybe they upgraded. Because he averaged 19 points last season, 7.2 rebounds um, at, at Coastal Carolina. He's just not doing anything close to that. And I guess you can um, – You you I didn't assume he would do that, those numbers, at Michigan, but I assumed he'd do better than 6.7 points, 3.9 assists while shooting – you know, sixty-two point five percent from the free throw line. I thought he'd be more impactful. So far, he hasn't been, and that means that at least you know, through seven games, they have downgraded at point guard against North Carolina. He was two of eight from the field, four points. So it's a little bit like the Cedric Russell situation at Ohio State, although Cedric did have a notable game. You know, made some shots against Duke earlier this week, but these. Mid-major, although Cedric did have a, these, these mid-major players, low-major players who transferred up, um, they're finding it a little more difficult to, to be impactful than they were at their previous stops. Uh, we'll see how it goes from here, but, you know, through seven games, uh, underwhelming. And the same thing with Caleb Houston. He's third on the team in field goal attempts, but shooting just 32.8% from the field and 28.6% from three. He was only two of nine from the field against North Carolina. So when you lose important pieces and try to replace them with people who aren't meeting expectations, that's how you end up being slightly disappointing um, a little more than three weeks into the season.
1: I'd say there are six teams, surprising teams with three losses already. I rank them in terms of disappointment thusly i'd say michigan at the top i'd say i'd honestly say maryland number two uh maryland got beat by virginia tech earlier in the week and to me even though they don't have you know a super deep bench i love their starting five and i'd you know i thought maryland would be better than what it is maryland fans listening to this i I understand (laughs)
0: Maryland fans, we've talked about this before. They hate their, they're the only fan base in the country that hates their own team. I don't know if they're every year.
1: Maybe, regardless, how about this? Regardless of record situation or anything, there might not be a fan base that just completely embraces the self loathing aspect of their existence the way that Maryland fans do. Um, that's right. So they've lost two straight. They lost to Louisville, and they lost to Virginia Tech. My brain still tells me those are two consecutive ACC losses, even though they're not, because Maryland is in the Big Ten. I cannot kick this habit. Uh, they also have a home loss against George Mason. I would put them number two behind Michigan. I'd go. I'd go Oregon third, only because I thought Oregon was going to be better than Virginia. Now Virginia has some concern. They did come back after trailing by 21 at home against Iowa. They actually took the lead in the final 30 seconds of the game. I was able to hold on and get a win there. Um, we'll get to the Hawkeyes in a few here because obviously they got a big one Friday against Purdue. Uh, so I go for and then the other two that aren't as nearly as disappointing because they weren't preseason top 25 teams. I, I thought both these teams would and still could find themselves in the NCAA tournament bubble conversation later this season. I didn't think they'd have three losses at this point on the calendar Uh, and surprise, surprise, it's two more ACC teams. Uh, It's Syracuse and Notre Dame. They also already have three losses apiece, so they're kind of, you know, to use a cliche, if you will, they're just behind the eight ball. So I think Michigan's the most disappointing team. I don't think you can really disagree with that at this point. I'd go Michigan, Maryland, Oregon, Virginia, and then a little bit of a gap here, a little more reasonable. Uh Syracuse and Notre Dame were by no means expected to be you know, undefeated or one loss at this point. But they do have three losses already, and so they have some real work to do to get themselves into a good spot
0: resume-wise. I would argue that Oregon might be more disappointing. I mean, o- Oregon, three losses, same as Michigan, but they got blown out by BYU, 81-49. Then they lose by 12 to St. Mary's. That's on a neutral court. And then on a neutral, 78-49 loss to Houston. So, in two of their losses, I mean, they have been just blown, you know, basically 30-point losses. You're not supposed to lose. Like, good teams don't lose college basketball games by 30. You can lose them by 20. By 30, that's like that's like yeah. all, that's like all nearly half as bad as what the Grizzlies did to Oklahoma City last night. Did you see that? I did. Historic. I did. That was history in the making.
1: You could have been there, and you decided not to go. How does that make you feel?
0: Like, I made – good use of my time you did okay yes like like i spent my time preparing for a podcast as opposed to watching the grizzlies i i
1: I know the listeners and certainly i and nada uh very much appreciate you for that you're right but michigan no michigan doesn't have a 30 point loss uh but michigan was seen in the preseason as a national championship contender i don't think oregon was quite in that tier but you make a good case i did see in our live youtube stream comment section uh there that memphis needs to be on this discussion as well you can put memphis in there certainly we but let's save that because we we're going to talk about them in the final four and one they only have just but in case anyone is not up to date as they listen to this in their own mind memphis does not ha- have three losses so everyone we've discussed to this point has three losses that doesn't mean you can't be nearly as disappointed with only two but uh for the purposes of you know putting them all teams in the same bucket if you will these are all teams with at least three defeats
0: one other thing and then we'll move on um hunter Dickinson, preseason uh, deservedly. So, um, he only played 18 minutes. You pointed out, he, he, uh, didn't have a great game against North Carolina. That a lot of that was foul trouble. It, it, most of it was foul trouble. Um, only played 18 minutes, four points, five rebounds. Um, he is playing and again, it's early. It's just seven games, but he is playing, um, on average three more minutes per game this season, but taking the same amount of shots. He's, he averaged 9.3 shots In 24.9 minutes per game last season. Right now, he's averaging 9.4 shots in 28.1 minutes per game. Um, He averaged 14 points last season, 13 this season, 7.4 rebounds last season, 7.7 rebounds this season. You know, some players take a real leap production wise as a sophomore. Um, Zach Eady is one. Jaden Ivey is another, both on the same team. Um, Caleb Love. North Carolina, I think is one, but Hunter Dixon through seven games is, is more or less the same player he was last season. And again, when you're projecting in the preseason in the off season, um, some of it is, I think this guy's going to come back and be even more awesome than he was the year before. And Hunter Dickinson might, but through seven games, he's been largely the same player he was last season, which is, um, probably a, a you know, on the list of reasons that that Michigan is off to a, an, an, an even start. In the preseason, dead leg, you asked me if I thought COVID would cost us any games this entire season. I said yes, and I'm already way right. We'll talk about that next. But first, check this out. Subscribe to Point Forward the podcast
1: so you don't miss a thing.
0: I Almost goofed up right there. I Almost said we'll talk about that next. You're listening to the Gary Parish Show on ninety two ninety <laughs> five. This
1: is why I love the live show now because there's no stopping, going back, and editing. It's, it's live, baby. It's so confusing when you talk so much. So I watch like- you. I want you to unintentionally do that at some point on the podcast because you've never, you never did that when we would do it. You know, tape, published later. That never happened. So now I want it to happen live.
0: I'll I'll do it intentionally for you in a Brian Kelly accent someday. That's it'll be amazing.
1: Brian Kelly fake accent. I don't want you doing that Massachusetts Northeast stuff. I want the Brian Kelly fake accent. Actually, maybe I want you to do the Northeast Massachusetts. You want to try and pull out a Boston accent on us right now here?
0: No, that's the other thing. Anytime. I hate that too. When people want to try to impersonate a boston accent and they throw out all these like words wicked this and wicked that just stop just talk the way you talk all right it's a tough one whether i'm talking into this camera or on radio or on television or at my kitchen table i sound exactly like this every single time
1: tougher accent to pull off convincingly boston See, Southern, you're looking at like seven different regions. So I'm going to say Southern's tougher than Boston because there's different, like North Carolina, our buddy Will Brinson, he's got a North Carolina accent. He sounds different from your Mississippian slash Memphian accent, which sounds different from Texas, which sounds different from if you're from Tennessee. So I'll say Southern's more difficult to pull off, but the average person is much more aware of a botched Boston accent, I think, than a botched Southern accent. That's my take it.
0: Just let's just talk. Everybody, just talk however you thought. It's fine. It's fine.
1: I, I got no, I got no, I got no issue with that. Bless your hot GP. You know, I got enough money to burn a wet mule.
0: <laughs> why, why are you a minute ago? You said happier than a dead pig. Are dead pigs happy? I handle, I I, I, handle, I, may, I, I may have Googled uh,
1: famous funny southern sayings before I started this podcast.
0: I, uh, I handled a fetal pig once in my life. It did not seem happy. It just seemed dead.
1: Okay. Yeah, she says, happy as a dead pig in the sunshine. When a pig dies, presumably in a sty outside, the sun dries out its skin. This effect pulls the pig's lips back to reveal a toothy grin, making it look happy even though it's dead. The phrase describes a person who is blissfully ignorant of reality, and that's me. I'm going to stop with this accent now.
0: I barely talk to anybody these days other than you, Um, but but like I do I do have one. I do have one. uh, Obviously, any of my friends that are here, for the most part, they're from the South, Um, but they've adjusted well for the most part. I do have one friend who (laughs) will randomly throw out these types of things that you do like because he just grew up in it. He's never been able to shed them. So I'll be like, uh, you know, he'll be on the golf course. And next thing you know, he's taking an edible for some reason on the golf course and i'm like yo man are you okay he'll be like i'm i'm hiring giraffe nuts <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay. I say, okay okay well it's um well you're out so it's time to putt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: oh that's that's beautiful okay so i was wrong i was wrong 0.5 over under forfeits dude i said forfeits due to covid I don't we haven't had a we haven't had a countable forfeit yet, but at this point, it's going to be unavoidable. There are five schools. Do you have this in front of you? I had it in the dock. There are five schools. (laughs) I'm just wondering. Do you have any? I I will say them if you don't have them.
0: (laughs) Five schools.
1: (laughs) You thinking about my accent? What's so funny?
0: I did. One of the comments just made me laugh. (laughs) I had never heard this one. Somebody said higher than an eagle vagina oh, okay. <laughs> it's, the, it's the favorite one of theirs I never heard that one uh, but it worked it's the same thing as giraffe nuts a draft uh, nuts actually giraffe nuts are probably not as high as as eagle, vaginas. As eagle vaginas where are you more like draft nuts are gonna be what eight feet off the ground but an eagle vagina I mean uh that's in the sky I think I think if you're kind of high, eight, eight you're four. high. You're as high as giraffe nuts. But if you're super duper high, that might be an eagle vagina. I mean, if you think about it,
1: I don't need to think about it. Um, Georgia State, Washington, Nevada, Abilene Christian, and Wagner are the five schools through the first twenty four days of the season. That have had to either cancel or postpone games due to COVID-19 issues within their own program. Uh, This week, as Parrish broke the news, Nevada's game against North Texas will not be played as scheduled because Nevada has a string of COVID positives. Uh, Washington also is not going to be able to play. It's scheduled game against Arizona because of COVID issues on the Huskies roster. It remains to be seen if the Washington UCLA game as of as of us recording this podcast, that game is still scheduled to be played. But we will wait and see uh, if that winds up going down this weekend. So, yeah, uh, I cannot tell you how badly I did not want to talk about this on a single episode this season. But. Five schools. College basketball has more teams playing in it than any other major American sport other than women's basketball, which obviously has the most. And cases are going up around the country. I don't think this is going to be something that really, oh boy, knocking on all the wood right now. I don't think this is going to completely wreak havoc on the schedule, but I did just happen to just trade text with a few people in college basketball on Thursday about this stuff. And there is a creeping feeling that this is going to be a bit inevitable that this season in a given week, you just might have one, two or three teams that they're just not playing for three, four, six days. You know, it's not going to be a complete schedule overhaul, nothing like that. Uh, But this might be wind up being a reality of college basketball season going forward um, because of the nature of the Delta variant. We'll see what, we'll see what Omicron does. Uh, and you know, I hate I hate Omicron.
0: It's and, my uh, least favorite I, variant. So and far. I understand
1: a lot of people are so sick of COVID talk. You you have no idea how sick of it I am. But this is the reality of what we have right now. So just if you're unaware, there have been five schools that have had to actually uh, change their schedule because of COVID issues on their team. These aren't going to be the only five. We will get more sporadically. The question is, how many will we get, and will we get to a point where there's like significant games that actually have to be postponed or moved because of it? Because what the the leagues what the leagues are going to be faced with here is there are forfeit rules in place that were voted into in the preseason. They could theoretically change them, but, and this was one of our candid coaches questions in the off season. If you didn't uh, read the piece or were uh, not a pod listener during the, uh, during the off season, one of our questions, what we asked coaches was Were do you support forfeits for any reason tied to COVID? And it was essentially a 50, 50 split. And I don't know what the leagues are going to do because as it's, as it's constituted right now, even if a team is fully vaccinated and can't play a game because of COVID uh, in league play, that will go down as a forfeit. That is the way that every single power conference has established its rules at this point. I'd be interested to see if that winds up actually being the case there because as many coaches have said, listen, we, we did our, ch- like, what do you want us to do? We did everything. You know, we got vaccinated. You occasionally have breakthrough cases. We should not be punished if nature overcomes this and it's just going to do what nature does. And I, I agree with that. So just, you know, keep an eye on it going forward. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a huge, huge deal. Again, I don't think it's going to be a huge, huge deal. I just think this is going to be something that the sport lives with throughout the season. And we're just going to have occasional games that wind up either getting postponed or, yes, canceled because of it.
0: Um, our, our pal Andy Katz pointed this out yesterday after I, I tweeted the news about North Texas and Nevada. I didn't realize this as, you know, before I tweeted it. Um, so we've had two games this week, get, get postponed two high profile, or, you know, they got notable teams in them, uh, get postponed and or canceled Washington, Arizona, Nevada, North Texas. And the problems are at Washington and Nevada. They were both in South Dakota last week. They played each other the day before Thanksgiving. So that's, that's, I learned this over the past couple of years. That's kind of how this stuff works. Hmm. You get around each other and you breathe on each other and stuff. And now you've just turned a basketball game into a super spreader. It's a hell of a deal. What a dumb pandemic this is. You called it dumbest one. (laughs) It's the, it's not even close. It's it's the, it's the dumbest one. I'm with you. I don't think this is going to, as you put it, wreak havoc on the season, but it does appear. It's going to be a thing, you know, Um, because you know, Breakthrough cases are a real thing. And most young people haven't got their booster shots yet. Um, You're boosted. I'm boosted. But most young people, so people who play college basketball, aren't at this point. So you're going to have breakthrough cases, and then you're going to have protocols kick in, and and this is just it's going to be a thing. Um, But um, I I don't think it'll be – I don't think we're going to look up one Saturday morning and have – The equivalent of gonzaga baylor get canceled i guess in theory we could but it just i remember we went through a a a deal last season where i don't know if it was every day but it sure felt like every day we were getting games taken off the schedule and i don't think it'll be that way this i don't think it'll be that way this season
1: I agree with you, and the NCAA tournament almost certainly is going to go back to the format it was. If you're curious as we're talking about this, there's no bubble planned or anything like that. Um, so the tournament as you've known it to be in all these different cities and the usual format, that is, that is the plan for, uh, for 2022. You want to pick some games?
0: Yeah, since um, I've already taken the lead on the season now.
1: Oh, you have? Okay.
0: Yes. Starting, mm. to, run, starting to run away with it, just like always. Somebody suggested in the comments, yeah, um, or in the podcast reviews over at Apple Podcasts, which are terrific, by the way. I've been reading all of them; <laughs> they're, they're great. All of our reviews are now about premarital sex. All of them. Okay, it, it's outrageous. <laughs> so
1: and the next, you know, the next seventy four are going to be about bird genitalia. You're doing a wonderful job here.
0: Yeah, if you want to know about, if you want to learn about premarital sex extortion and eagle vaginas. This is the college basketball podcast for you. Um, somebody said that our bet should be whoever loses at the end of the season has to do the big bang challenge. Are you comfortable doing the big bang challenge? You have I a little you have a, you have a little bank. You <laughs> I, broke. You bankrupt. You have a little bank. If you did the big bang challenge and posted it immediately in the comments, they would say you're bankrupt. Bank I, closed. I, I, you're bank closed. That's a, you you got That's an ATM. That's an ATM.
1: I'm 6'3, 176 pounds. I got, I, there's, there are no deposits to be made in this bank. I cannot agree to that. Although I could say, you know what? You got no chance of beating me. So what, what do I have to lose? And really you'd have to do the big bank challenge. And damn, would our listeners love to see that right now, Paris is five and 10 and I'm nine and six, but I'm not going to get too cocky and ahead of myself. I'm not doing the big bank challenge. If you are watching on YouTube, please continue to someone suggested we should watch each other's children we live like 1600 miles apart i'm not babysitting your children and you're not doing the same otherwise no. i need something realistic and we need to figure this out what we're going to put on the line here cuz it's still close enough but we need we need suggestions so let's get this
0: done here's the thing about kids i think it's also true of dogs you love your own in ways that you couldn't imagine loving anything you don't really care for anybody else's. Well, I mean, I, I do love other people's dogs. Like, you know, it's a dog. Name one other person's dog you like. My parents' dog. That's your dog by extension. Is it okay? My so. next
1: neighbor, they got, they got Luna and Harvey Harvey rescued. Hurricane Harvey, you know, brought him up to
0: Connecticut. Wonderful pup. I love you, Harvey. I don't like anybody else's dogs. <laughs> I, lo- I love my own. I don't like anybody else's dogs. And I don't, I mean, I can appreciate other people's kids, but I wouldn't want to hang out with them all day long. I hang out with my kids all day long.
1: I should get my pup maybe, podcast at
0: some point. Maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't even know if I want to hang out with my kids all day long. No, there's no shot. But I hang out with them for a while, but I don't want to hang out with other people's kids. Yeah. I'd rather be, a, I want to be alone or with my kids. That's
1: at some it. point, I think you and I should do a, a podcast with a quick cameo of our dogs. I could bring, do you know I got a new one?
0: Yeah. Luca I've got Lana Luca with a C or a K with a C okay so I came home one day and my little guys were like uh we named it we named the puppy I said what did uh what did we name the puppy and they said Luca and I'm like after Luca Donchinch and they don't have any idea who that is the movie and uh, um no so he's a he's a French bulldog and they said um my my little guy he was four at the time he just turned five he said uh we named it Luca I said why Luke he said because it's a French name." And I said, uh, OK, it, like, but why He says it's a French bulldog and it's a French name? I said, OK. And uh, then I started thinking, I was like, is it, though? Is Luca a French name? And I went and looked it up and it's actually not. It's not a French name. Italian. I don't know. Eastern European. OK. And so I brought that back to his attention. I said, hey, I got bad news. Luca isn't actually a French name, but there's a longer version of Luca something. I can't remember now that that is actually a French name and they just shorten that to Luca. So now we have a French bulldog named Luca based on the idea that Luca was a French name, but it's not at all. It's all rooted in a lie. He's cute though. We got to get him on the pot at some point. I'll bring him up next time. Me too. Sunday night, Sunday night. We'll bring the dogs. You got it. You got Piper the pug and Luca the French bulldog. You gonna you gonna you gonna double fist? Piper's big now. She's uh she's she's gotten she gotten up there. She's hard to hold. Yeah, I'll double fist. I could, if I, I wouldn't be my first time to double fist. Final four and one since I've taken the lead. Game one, Friday, nine p.m. Eastern, Iowa. At number two, Purdue inside Jerry Palm Arena. Purdue minus 12 and a half. You can watch it on the Big Ten Network. This how I, You mentioned Andy
1: Katz. He's a, he's going to be on this call. Texted him about it. What did he say? This was this last
0: night? I said. You, you texted Andy Katz about what game he's going to be on?
1: No, he was texting me.
0: Oh, so you're buddies with Andy Katz now, I see. He
1: said, sideline for Iowa at Purdue tomorrow.
0: Should be a rocking atmosphere at Mackey. That's love Jerry how, That's Jerry Palm Arena, or yeah. I, I will also accept Julie Villanova he Arena. Said,
1: he said, I love how much better you are at picking games than Parrish. I don't know why he said that, though. What? What, um, Andy Katz. I said, give me Purdue by 16 in the text message. So give me Purdue by 16 on this podcast. I will take the Boilermakers to win this game and win it convincingly, Iowa undefeated, off to a wonderful start. We've only got, you know, what, 15, 16, maybe even fewer than that. Maybe we got like 13, 14 undefeated teams. Iowa is one of them. I put the Hawkeyes in my power rankings this week. Where did I rank these bad boys here? for McCaffrey's team, I've got ninth in the power rankings because they are yet to lose. And after they were able to win at Virginia, wanted to give them a little bit of shine there. Purdue, of course, is number one, as I said earlier. So Yeah. Give me the Boilermakers. Give me the Boilermakers big. And in doing so, uh, they will be number one in next week's AP Top 25 for the first time in school history.
0: We're on the same page here. I think they're going to blow them out. Not because I don't think I was better than most people thought they were going to be. And Keegan Murray is awesome now. Like he's Keegan Murray. um, Is now averaging almost 25 points per game. Yeah. How about this? He was ranked 334th in the class of 2020. Zach Eady was 440th in the class of 2020. And they are two of the stars of two undefeated teams that will be playing in the presence of Andy Katz later tonight. No, that doesn't, by the way, mean that recruiting rankings don't mean anything. It just means that they have wildly exceeded all reasonable expectations. Keegan Murray's turned himself into a legitimate NBA prospect. Zach Eadie has too, but, you know, 6'8 forward who can guard multiple positions, and now three-point percentage is up to 34.5. And free-throw percentage, NBA people pay a lot of attention to this. It's up to 85.7. Like, if you are a great free-throw shooter, the understanding is that it's an indicator that you can be a great three-point shooter as well, even if maybe the percentage doesn't suggest that. But he he's improved. in noticeable, undeniable ways. He's terrific. I can't wait to watch him tonight. But I just think, I don't think Purdue is going to squander this moment, you know, with an opportunity. Like, it's a big moment. First off, they're the, you know, it's not like this is a Saturday afternoon game where there's a million other games on. Tonight, Purdue, Iowa is the game. If you're a college basketball fan, that's what you'll be watching. And, place will be incredible um fans you know overwhelming and i don't think and and if you win you go into it knowing if you win you're about to do something for the first time in school history think of all the great players who have played at purdue and none of them have ever done what you've got an opportunity to do tonight which is secure the number one ranking in the ap poll um, for the first time in school history i don't think they squander that i think they're going to blow them out i'll take purdue minus the points game two Saturday, noon Eastern, number eighteen Memphis at Ole Miss, inside the Kelly Parish Pavilion. I named it after my mm-hmm. wife. She's an Ole miss grad. I'm mm. married in Ole Since Miss. Since we were gonna
1: do that. That's a smart move. Any chance your wife listens to this podcast, because zero percent with my wife. <laughs> no shot.
0: She she I I d I don't know that she I don't know that she listens to every word, just like I don't listen to every word. But mm-hmm. But um yeah I, yeah she listens to it sometimes. Uh, how about this last Sunday night the boys were downstairs and I was uh, getting ready to go do this and I was like, listen I gotta I gotta run upstairs and I had to remind her remember this is lie this isn't one of those where if Louie comes upstairs saying Oliver's being mean to me which is what he says 40 times a day Oliver's being mean to me I said I, we can't stop so you have to like let's just keep everybody downstairs And I, I said, oh by the way, it's live on YouTube you you, you guys want to watch it. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, yeah, turn it on. So I turned it on Apple TV for him down in the living room. And then about five minutes in, I get a text message while we're live from my wife saying, you asked the boys if they wanted to watch it. Now you're talking about premarital sex nonstop. Uh, I said, well, they need to learn. They need to learn. And
1: apparently your young children need to learn about the Big Bang Challenge. And your wife needs to hear about it, too. So
0: <laughs> so, anyways, Kelly Parish Pavilion. That's what we're calling it. What's the line? Ken Palm has it Memphis minus two. You can watch it on ESPN2. Ole Miss has lost on a
1: neutral to Marquette by six and on a neutral to uh, shaky Boise State team by 10. Doesn't have a good win of note yet this season. All the wins are to a sub-250 competition. <sighs> I talked to a scout who saw Memphis play last week in Brooklyn. Here's what he said. They're playing one-on-one. It's not an organized plan. There's no one commanding anything, and no one's playing to their strengths. The genius to it, if you want to call it that, is it's a helter-skelter pickup game. So if you fall into their trap, they'll beat you at that game. But the longer the possession goes, uh, the more they'll surrender. And if if you wanted to bet on them to be a team that shows up right now, night in, night out, they are not that team. I don't know if they can be that team. Whew, it's kind of a scathing review of Penny Hardaway's five and two Tigers, who lost by three on the road Wednesday night at Georgia. Um, I watched most of that game and Georgia's not good. That is troubling for the Tigers. This little, if they don't win this game, I'm not I'm not letting myself do this again. I will take them. I'm gonna take them on the road. Okay. I they have they have a better team, I believe then Kermit Davis's Mississippi Rebels. All right, I believe that. This is a tough spot. But I will take Memphis to win and narrowly cover. I'll take the Tigers by 4 or 5 points in this one. They still have a fairly good defense. They're going to want to play chaotically. I get that. Man, just watching them on offense sometimes it's just painful. But yeah, I mean, I lamented on this in the previous pod, so I won't. I won't continue to go on. But to hear that from someone who saw him play up close and personal last week was was interesting. And uh, they also said, like, you know, the way Amani Bates is being used right now, like, there's just a lot to fix there.
0: But I'll go with Memphis. Give him, give me to cover. They've got real problems, and it's mostly at point guard. They don't have a point guard. They, they you know, it, it's a problem. Although against Georgia. They were better offensively, not good, but better. But the bar was real low, and you were playing against Georgia, which you know is not picked last in the SEC. Tom Crean's four hundredth career win, by the way, don't let that go unnoticed. I, I almost did. 400, 400 career wins is nothing. To to sc- it's nothing to scoff at. So, um. Memphis is the only team that was in the preseason top 25, Paul, that has already lost multiple games as a double digit favorite. They were favored by 11.5 over Iowa State, lost by 19, favored by 11.5 at Georgia, and lost by three. They might be the only team in the country that has lost multiple games as a double digit favorite. You know, that's something that I don't know how to look up without spending way too much time. Um, but you have to be good to be a double favorite twice. Um, and to lose those games um, is is obviously unusual and troubling. And then I don't know if you saw all the quotes afterward, but, like, Penny really ripped into his team. Like, we're selfish. I did. Called, called yeah. them selfish. Said they're pouting. Said their pouting is ridiculous. Said they look like a AAU team. So this will either go one of two ways. Either... They'll respond, go down to Oxford and win a game. And by the way, this isn't one of those deals where um they've lost some, they've taken some bad losses, but haven't beat anybody. They they did beat Virginia Tech on a neutral court. Virginia Tech's good. So that suggests that they can beat good teams, but there's also evidence that they can lose to to not great ones, which is what they've um done. Again, Iowa State is, I think, definitely better than most thought would be. Georgia could be. Could. But this is true. Iowa State was picked dead last in the Big 12. Georgia dead last in the SEC. Memphis already lost to both of them, despite being a double-digit favorite. Um, so this will, like I said, go one of two ways. Either they'll respond, go down to Oxford and, and win the game to Penny's criticism, or uh, they'll go down and lose, and then it'll be like, ooh, the coach has lost his team. And here's the problem for them like they get Ole Miss um tomorrow then they've got a home game against Murray State and it's sort of neat the way they did that they made it where um it's a saturday it's a it's like a Friday Saturday deal
1: John ja will be in town
0: yeah so um Murray State fans can travel to Memphis watch Murray State play Memphis on Friday and then go to a Grizzlies John Morant game on Saturday it'll yeah. be good um But then after that, Alabama at home, and then Tennessee in Nashville. So here's the deal. You don't straighten up. You're about to lose more games. I mean, you easily can lose in Oxford, easily can lose at home to Alabama, supposed to lose on a neutral to Tennessee. If you take these losses combined with Iowa State loss, Georgia loss, guess what you're doing? And now you're playing in the AAC you got no resume opportunities except for Houston, maybe. I mean, definitely. But, like, what else is there that you can boost with? They're on the verge, even though this is early, of finding themselves in the exact same position they were in last season, which is I think they're getting better. I think they're pretty good. But they don't have a resume to present to the at-large, to present to the selection committee. And that's going to be a real problem. So this game uh, on Saturday is really important. I'll take Memphis to win it. We know that Memphis can beat a good team. They beat Virginia Tech. We don't know that Ole Miss can beat a good team. So I'll take Memphis. I'll lay the points inside Kelly Parish Pavilion. Saturday, eight PM Eastern. Number sixteen Alabama against number three Gonzaga. Inside Lane Staley Arena.
1: I'll accept. I want you. You're on your stuff. It's not a Gonzaga's home arena. It's not the one that's like six hundred yards, six hundred yards west or whatever there.
0: Oh, I thought this was in Seattle.
1: Oh, it might be. Oh, it is in Seattle. That's right. That's right.
0: That's why it's Lane Staley Arena.
1: You're even on it more than I am, because this is where, this is where the uh, the Kraken play, and Gonzaga is opening the building. It's the f- there are there are two games this weekend, one Friday, one Saturday, where college basketball is opening the re- the arena for the first time in a basketball sense. I will be at the one Friday night tonight. I'm going to see Kansas play at St. John's at UBS arena, which is where the Islanders play. So which, that, by be- the
0: way, I, when I, I saw that game, I was like, where's, cause I, it said a uh, semi home game for St. John's and I was like, where are they playing this? Yeah. I had never heard of this place. Hey. It's in, it's in Queens.
1: It's it's, it's technically in Nassau County and like. A three- Some it, it's two close two with- to Queens. It's close to Queens. Trust me, I'm, I'm meeting Borzello there. We were taught talk- it's a whole. This parking situation's a whole deal. Here. So anyway, it's I, I'm going to have to leave as soon as we're done this podcast to get down there in time. Cross Cross Island. Don't even get me started on Long Island traffic. Uh, but I will be there. Uh, listen, it's it's right next to the racetrack, Belmont Park. So we actually have an opportunity here for Kansas to play St. John's Golden Gate Mike. If Ku wins. I'm just saying we might have a Belmont bill situation. That's all. That's all I'm saying. We might have a Belmont bill, but anyway, I will be at that game on Friday night. We are not picking it, but Kansas in a good spot against uh, St. John's uh, by the way, Harry styles opened the UBS arena just a couple of weeks ago. This is a brand spanking new arena. So I'm intrigued to see it. The other one, as you mentioned, though, here we go game at hand. Um, this is where the Kraken play Gonzaga was specifically uh, approached about opening this building Uh, I don't know if and when Seattle is ever going to get an NBA franchise again. I think that probably will happen eventually in one day. And this would, I think this is the arena that would have it. I don't see how it would be anything else there. And so they're really working hard to make it happen.
0: It's going to be the Seattle Pelicans.
1: Supersonics has to return. That's, that's one of the five best pro sports city nickname combinations of all time. Seattle Supersonics. We love the siblings. Um, Give me Gonzaga. No, give me Alabama in the number. I will take Gonzaga to win Alabama inside the nine. You said it was nine, right?
0: Ken Palm has a Gonzaga minus nine.
1: Yeah. Bama lost to Iona in Orlando last week, which was a rematch of the first round game in the tournament. Then it went on to beat Drake and then it beat Miami. Um, its best win to this point is Drake per the metrics. Also has a okay South Dakota State at home, whatever. That might be the best team in that league, but they don't have a win inside the top 60 among current Ken Palm teams. I do think that Bama's guards are going to have a nice day here. I don't think it'll be enough to win. They'll keep it close, but keep an eye on Jaden Shackleford, JD Davison, Javon Quinterly. That's a wonderful one, two, three backcourt attack. And kind of seeing how that group goes up against. You know, Gonzaga's big. You know, Gonzaga's got weapons all over the floor, but they're they're more front court leaning. I'm um, I'm very interested to see this game, but yeah, I'll take Bama to cover, but Gonzaga to win.
0: When I said earlier that I made good use of my time last night, that was not entirely true, because as I was preparing for the Final Four and one, mm-hmm. I found myself watching Allison Chain's videos over and over again after I named Lane Staley Arena.
1: Nothing wrong with it. What a
0: sad way to die. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. You Agreed. realize he locked himself in an apartment in Seattle? I am, I am aware. And was just in touch with basically nobody for months yeah. until he died? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he reportedly weighed like 80 pounds? hmm Yes. Very tragic. Yes. But in, in one of his last interviews, this is how much I was reading and watching this stuff last night. One of his last interviews he ever did. He said, uh, I already I know I'm I know I'm going to die. Um, It's already gone too far. There's no turning back at this point. He was just sort of like, this is the way it's going to end for me. What a sad deal. What a talented guy, though. Uh, And the great uh, uh, the amazing thing about Lane
1: Staley is of the Seattle based bands, you know, the big four that often get referred to Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. Although those were not the only four, obviously. but those were the big four Cornell is the one that has the best voice, but Staley was the most amazing one to me because even before that, he had just, he was tiny. He was this tiny, I'm going to say he was five, seven, uh, you know, you know, five, seven, 140, 45 pounds. And that voice was just phenomenal there. So do you have a favorite Allison change song?
0: Hmm. I don't know about song, but I just remember when Dirt came out. It was like you listened to it on repeat, the entire album over and over and over and over again. That was, am I right? I mean, I know Man in the Box was their breakout song, but yeah. Dirt was like the breakout album, right?
1: Yes, uh, yes, and um, yeah, I'm. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a. What, very- what's,
0: the, what's the song
1: on uh, the singles LP? Wood. Wood is wonderful.
0: That's a great uh, one. Yeah, that's a great one.
1: Nutshell is when I play gigs,
0: it's a super dark song, but it's what's the one that's got the harmonica in it? Um it's on I think it's on dirt and it's got the harmonica in it. I don't know. I love Alice and James. Love them. Never saw them live though.
1: Neither did I, but yeah, wonderful, wonderful group.
0: Uh yeah. Anyway. Casey on, on YouTube says Shinedown is probably the shortest band uh, uh, okay. she's, ever, she's ever met. <laughs> that's my buddy, Zach Myers. Zach Myers is my friend. He lives here in Memphis. How about that? Guitarist in Shinedown, and he is very short. <laughs> if you're guess.
1: unfamiliar with Allison Chains and uh, you want something that might be, if you think you think you know what they are, go to Jar of Flies and Sap, double EP release. That's that's my favorite of theirs. Anyway, I got Bama inside the
0: number. Yeah, I'm gonna take Gonzaga and lay the points. J.D. Davidson, by the way, 8.3 points, 4.9 assists, 4.7 rebounds. He's the five-star freshman. Um, doing a little bit of everything. You know, maybe not averaging as many points as you would have thought, but um, you know, having a, a a solid freshman season. He ain't no Caleb Houston. That's what I'm trying to say. Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, number 19, Iowa State at Creighton, inside. The Bud Crawford Center. Trivia time. Who is Bud Crawford?
1: I got, I got nothing.
0: Would you know him if I called him Terrence Crawford? I got nothing. He's one of the greatest boxers in the world. This is the problem with boxing. <laughs>
1: it like, is he active right now?
0: He's 38 and 0. He's the WBO welterweight champion. He just uh beat Sean Porter. If you do the like, CBS Sports, ESPN, you know Sports Illustrated, pound for pound, best fighters in the world. Most people have Canelo Alvarez. You've heard of Canelo Alvarez, right? Yes. Most people have Canelo Alvarez one and Bud Crawford two. Nobody knows Bud Crawford.
1: No clue. No. He's great. He's from Omaha. Is that why you picked this game?
0: So that I could talk about Bud Crawford. No, (laughs) no, your motivations. No, I just um. I like the Iowa State story. And now they find themselves as a four-point underdog on the road in Omaha inside the Bud Crawford Center. You can watch it on FS1.
1: Yeah, I I highlighted Iowa State and Minnesota. Minnesota's going to go on the road and play at Mississippi State. Uh, Iowa State here is going to also – those are teams picked last in the preseason in their conferences, and they are yet to lose a game. They're two of the most surprising teams at the power conference level in college basketball this season. Um, Iowa State in this spot can certainly win the game. I don't know, GP. This one... I, I Iowa State is... I don't know if they're as good as they've shown themselves to be in the big picture. They've had a nice start. They got wins over Xavier in Memphis. Um, On the road here against the Creighton team, that's seven and one. Uh, I don't know. Give me, give me Creighton. I don't feel good about this at all, but yeah, give me Creighton. Creighton to win and to cover there. Uh, Greg McDermott, by the way, going up against his former team.
0: Do you remember Creighton went to the Sweet 16 last season? Yes. I have they no recollection. They lost <laughs> to Gonzaga. Yes. I don't know. no, I have no recollection of that. I was at the game so yeah. <laughs> earlier today, uh, this morning. I was like, um, so, when was the last time Creighton was in the NCAA tournament? Like, I need I, like because I didn't remember, and I was like, "Wow, they went to the Sweet 16 last season." I <laughs> had no, I don't remember, They like, it, I think it's because they beat UC Santa Barbara in Ohio to get there, and it just like you know that doesn't. I guess it's not memorable, but congrats. Let me be the first to congratulate Creighton on going to the Sweet 16 last season. That's amazing. Okay, yeah, yeah,
1: you taking the J's like I am? No way. No way.
0: I'm on that TJ Otzelberger. I'm on my TJ Otzelberger. He's my done man. a wonderful job. Top six scores, five transfers and a four-star freshman. Mm-hmm. Off to a great start. Plus, I root. I meant to say this the other day. People okay. think you root for some teams. You, you root against others. I root for the top 25 and one. That's right. That's what I root for every day. I I go, come on, top 25 and one. Let's go. Let's go top 25 and one. So what will be the least disruptive to the top 25 and one? Iowa State winning at Creighton. So give me Iowa State. Give me the Cyclones plus the four points. All right. Before we get to the N1,
1: here are games we are not going to pick that you should be aware of. I already mentioned Kansas St. John's. That's a 7 Eastern FS1 tip. You've also got a Friday night game, Rutgers-Illinois. Rutgers could really do itself a favor by getting a win there Saturday while it's obviously going to be loaded up with your college football across the board uh you have Marquette at Wisconsin 12:30 tip on Fox if Mark Wisconsin's played they're one of the more surprising teams in the country in terms of how well they have done versus preseason expectations if they can get to eight and one uh really going to put themselves in a wonderful position big picture although if Marquette can get a win on the road you know that's a wonderful that's a wonderful home-and-home home every single year. We never have to worry about those teams not scheduling each other. I very much appreciate the Marquette-Wisconsin deal they got going on there. Uh, 4 Eastern on Stadium is the best mid-major game of the weekend. St. Mary's will play at Colorado State. Colorado State, I have it number 11 in my power rankings. They have not lost. Nico Medved has the best team in the Mountain West. Did you see Randy Bennett and what he did Thursday night?
0: I, I did. I don't know understand the context because I had the television muted, um, but... I saw him. he was exiting the arena and he was, he was fired up about something
1: again. If anyone's watching on YouTube and you wish we could kind of show you video as we talk about these, we don't have the rights to these games, so we can't show you them, but I I have the rights. Oh, you do. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to, I have the rights. I purchased the rights. You show whatever you want. All right. Um, so at the end of the game, Utah state's got 0.6 on the clock. And they're trying to they're trying to tie it up or win it on, a, on an inbound. And it, it does. The play doesn't work. And the clock doesn't start right away. And eventually they don't they don't have another play, but they have to go and review. it. It's ridiculous. Like the home clock. They should have started. They didn't start it on time. And then they're st- they go in the handshake line. And Randy Bennett's just completely red assed about the whole thing. He's going up to Ryan Odom. I don't know what his beef was. I don't know what his issue was. But Randy Bennett looked like a damn fool. Like his team just won the game, got a great win on the road. Yeah, there was a snafu. Odom's got nothing to do with what they're doing at the scores table and with the with the clock there. And then, yeah, he's walking off the court and he's just going after the fans. Uh, St. Mary's never played a legitimate road opponent for like seven straight seasons and cost themselves three at-large bids because of this. Now he's uh, thankfully St. Mary's is willing to occasionally go and schedule a game on the road against a potential qu- tournament-quality team. And Utah State certainly—they're a, a good squad this season. And then he just they, they mar the end of it. I don't know. It was bizarre. Anyway, they get, they're they going to try and go 2-0 in a three-day span against Colorado State. Uh, we're not officially picking it, but give me CSU. They are awesome. Isaiah Stevens, David Roddy, a fantastic 1-2 combination. Only two other games on Saturday I'd mention that are at least worth keeping an eye on. Buffalo-St. Bonaventure, that's 4 Eastern. That's another really good mid-major matchup. Uh, Bonnie's, if they want to continue to establish an at-large profile, I would recommend winning that game at home. And then USC plays Washington State at 6 Eastern on the Pac-12 Network. I oh, got it back.
0: Jesus.
1: I got that's it working. back. It went out, and then it returned. I got it back. Pac-12 Network, Southern Cal, not yet lost. They're probably the most under-discussed top 10 team in the country at this point. Maybe they win. We give them a little bit of shine. But Washington State's no pushover either. So that's actually that's a quality West Coast game. Kyle Smith's Washington State Cougars are going to get a chance to get a good home win there. But, yes, it's on the Pac-12 Network. You got any thoughts on that?
0: I don't ever think about things that are on the Pac-12 network.
1: Fair enough. And then before we get to my game on Sunday, amid all the NFL stuff, Northwestern Maryland is on new Maryland's got to win that game. That's big 10 network at noon. Carolina goes on the road to play Georgia tech. Just keep an eye on that. I have a sense uh, that could go one way. We might talk about it Sunday night. And then we've got Xavier, Oklahoma state Xavier really use a road win there, but it's not going to be easy. And then Ohio State-Penn State is a 7.30 tip Sunday night GP on the Big Ten Network. Are we thinking for our Sunday night show? We got listeners live right now, people listening on podcast To the OG podcast listeners doing it on the phone, respect you, appreciate you. Do we want to wait and see what – I think we need to wait and make sure Ohio State doesn't lose that game before we podcast. They lose, I feel like it's significant. Penn State's just okay. 7.30 tip Sunday night.
0: Ohio State's already lost twice. If they lose for a third time, how significant is it?
1: All right. Fair enough. Thought I'd just bring it up. Game number five. All right, let's go. If you, I don't know when we're going to be live on Sunday, but make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We now have people at mentioning the podcast handle showing how the alerts actually work. You will be alerted, and we will go live sometime Sunday night. We don't know when. Game number five. It's the 41st season of the NCAA men's basketball on CBS. And the first game on Big CBS, as we call it, is going to be San Diego State against Michigan. It's a 1 p.m. tip on Trey Burke Court. We got got graphic problems. Oh, boy. San Diego? Nada? You went with San Diego? (laughs) (laughs) It is San Diego State. He's on it. He's on it. This is what happens when you have a very real person that exists producing your podcast in real time. San Diego State against Michigan. There we go. Number 24, Michigan. Ken Palm has a line at Michigan minus seven. Let's capitalize that in in
0: number 24. Um, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm right (laughs) there with you. Take it down again. Third time's (laughs) a charm. Gosh. San Diego State, Parrish's
1: favorite school. Love the they love me. They love you out in San Diego. They're 5-2. and two. They have a six-point loss at BYU. They have a 15-point loss when they only scored 43 points last Friday against USC. They beat Arizona State, but everyone's beaten Arizona State. Arizona State scored 29 points at home two nights ago.
0: How is that even possible? That James Harden went to school there for crying out loud.
1: Unbelievable! So, San Diego State beat ASU. Uh, they're the seventh-ranked defensive team in the country. Again, Michigan minus seven is the
0: line. You pick this one first. I take my Aztecs plus the points. That's where Malachi Flynn went to school. It is where Malachi Flynn went to school. <laughs> I'm just randomly pointing out people that went to school at places. That's, that's fine. That's 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 the. I'm my Aztecs. I would not. I would not pick against my Aztecs especially when you're getting seven points to a team that's already lost three times.
1: Yeah. Seventh-range defense. Michigan is 16th in defensive efficiency, 27th in offensive efficiency. I will have the Wolverines in a get-right game here, and I'll have Michigan covering. So I think we disagree on three. Anyone following in real time uh, can let us know. We have people wondering if it's N-A-T-A or N-A-D-A for NADA. It is N -A A. T-A-T, as in Tommy. And that's
0: the final four and one. You ready to get out of here? Oh, quite ready. What a sad way for Lane Staley to die, though, when you think about it. I do declare. (laughs) I do declare.
1: Can you give a shout to... Can you give a shout to some, some southerner here? Little foghorn leghorn?
0: Somebody in the comments said you sound like Frank Underwood, which is true. (laughs) Uh,
1: That was a bad one. I can't deny that. I cannot deny. And I know this sounds absolutely terrible. Do I care? I do not care. I do not care. Frank Underwood, if you are unfamiliar, is the now disgraced actor Kevin Spacey and the character he played in House of Cards, which I never finished on Netflix because that show became
0: absolutely terrible. I enjoyed it for a while. I finished it. I watched every episode. But it did
1: get... After two seasons, I was done.
0: I enjoyed it. When that girl got hit by that train, I was like, wow. I didn't see that one coming. Spoiler alert.
1: Not really. It's probably like seven years past now.
0: At least that was an abrupt death. It wasn't like Lane Staley's. He saw his coming for months, you know?
1: You're really harping on this, man.
0: This poor girl, Kate Mara, she didn't see hers coming. Mara, but yeah. Yeah, Kate Mara. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Flo Thamba, real-time legend. Yes. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Eagle Vagina. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast, in the middle of what is undeniably at this point the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere. You subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Leave a nice review. You guys have been great with the reviews. I appreciate that. Keep doing it. Five stars. Type some nice words. And if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please go do that. Our bosses appreciate it. Smash the like button. As if you were Brandon Davies. What would Brandon Davies do to that like button dead leg? He'd smash him. He would. He doesn't care. He knows there are rules. He doesn't care. Even if they said, you know, you do this, you might not get to play basketball anymore. He's like, you know what? That's a risk I'm willing to take. I'm trying to smash. Be Brandon Davies. Both on YouTube and in your own life. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night. Till then.